Remember when I said I wanted to start a new hobby in 2022? Well, now I found the perfect way to do so. Let's Make Art delivers art supplies right to your door. Whether it's monthly subscriptions, project kits, or supplies for a variety of projects, they make art simple, even for someone with a lot on their plate. Not everyone has a ton of time or space to create. That's why they've made it easy for you to start now. Let's Make Art has done the hard work so you can focus on mindfulness, learning, community, and having fun. With easy-to-understand tutorials and so many different offerings, there's something perfect to fit any level of learning. Let's Make Art also has community groups where you can enjoy a safe space to share your art with others. Right now is the perfect time to express yourself creatively. With Let's Make Art, you can try a new artistic medium on for size or maybe even pick up a new hobby. Right now, Let's Make Art is offering Heart and Hustle listeners 20% off. Visit zen.ai backslash heart hustle pod for 20% off your entire order today. So right now, go to zen.ai backslash heart hustle pod for 20% off anything you order today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Angelica Yard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And we're here every Thursday talking to you about entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, balance, wellness, and so many other things. And it is still technically spring, but it's Florida. So it's basically summer at this point. I mean, this has like been the nicest spring we've had in a while. So I can't complain. But for all intents and purposes, it's summer. So we're working on our summer bucket list. And we are going to tell you what is on them. So do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, This is like my goal. I feel like probably I said this last summer and it definitely didn't happen because COVID was so bad last summer. But traveling, like I'm trying to find a quick day trip situation. Not even day trip. Probably like an out of state situation that would require (laughs) travel by car, clearly, because the airplanes are nasty. <laughs> like I will have to get on an airplane at some point, but not right now. Like y'all are wilding out. Like people are literally getting on planes sick on purpose. So I'm just going to wait until they're tired and then probably go somewhere where, you know, normal people live. Um, but yeah, travel for sure. Just trying to see something different, switch it up. Uh, we've been here for most part in all summer for the since the pandemic started. And so, I just want to see new stuff. So that's kind of my first goal or bucket list item. So my first goal is actually to get rollerblades because I've been going back and forth between like rollerblades and skates. And to be honest, like as a kid, skating was very hard for me. Like rollerblading, easy. Skating, hard. I don't understand the science behind that. I don't know why that is the thing. But when the four wheels are like organized like that instead of down the middle, it is very challenging for me. So I was like, you know what? Let me. I saw a little kid on rollerblades the other day, and it just like took me back. I had all the nostalgia feels for the '90s, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna get the rollerblades first. That way, we'll just get back into doing the skating in general, and then I can switch to roller skates. Yeah, because I'm like at this point, it's like it's not. It doesn't matter as long as I'm out there skating. Yeah, I don't know that it matters skates or blades. Um, again, my best friend has blades, and so that is her. Skate a preference. It's all about just joining the skate gang. I'm trying exactly. to indoctrinate everyone into skating. Yes. <laughs> like, like, skate like, I don't know why like rollerblades have always just been so easy, so fun, and roller skating. 
something about the skates. It's a challenge. So I'm just like, whatever, we're just going to do the blades for now. We're going to get back into the skate gang, do the blades, and then we will revisit maybe in the fall and see how we feel about roller skates. I think I need to go like to a skating rink and just yeah, for sure. Because it's very hard to pick them out when I'm like, I don't even know what exactly I'm looking for. Because I no. feel like what you're looking for is honestly so different than what depending it is depending on what blade. you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also, like again, you have different wheels that you use inside, and you do outside, and then you have hybrid wheel. It just there's so much to learn um about it and, and no one i know has the same shoe size as me so it's like i can't borrow anyone you have small feet. child feet i have um, a lot of friends with roller skates and everyone yeah i have tiny feet so like, <laughs> uh it's so frustrating with stupid small feet well skate gang gang um because our, our, because we live in the in the ghetto and not but the the basketball court still hasn't been fixed so that is my uh skate <laughs> Did you just say we live in the ghetto? And we, we live, live in the ghetto. Uh, the most exclusive neighborhoods it's in Central like, Florida. Okay. The way, what was it? We had a running joke about how, oh, you know what it was when um, Trump was running in 2016 and he was like, the ghettos. And it was like, he was talking about like Atlanta, like any place where black people were. And so my friends yeah. and I have been like, oh, the ghetto is a celebration because black people live here. So anytime I'm like, we live in the ghetto um which is the joke because it's very expensive to live here and i think that it's they think that it's very nice and fancy and like people are like i pay top dollar to live here but they can't fix the basketball court so the basketball court has not been fixed in like two years because it is low-key the ghetto because they don't understand how the world works <laughs> but it's a fantastic space for skating because it's smooth and yeah. like they had just resurfaced it and like made it really nice, except they don't have hoops. So for people yeah. who are looking for skate gang activities, that's always a good a place. I grew um, up skating in the actual ghetto in Central Florida, but now I skate in celebration. And those skating yeah. rinks that are still open, by the way, because I know which ones are you talking they're still open. And they're yeah. so like gentrified. And they're so like gentrified. And it's so it's yeah. so funny because you have like a lot of the OGs who are Central Florida OGs, like real like black people who hang out and then you have like hipsters who are just into roller skating <laughs> it's so but they all get together and it's so fun like it's a fun love it. thing to watch so um at some point when again our numbers are not as bad maybe i'll pop in and go yes. hang out and do a skate day there but right now covid is covid and so no thanks all right goal number two just to go outside you know i i do like outdoors i think it's nice it's a little bit it'll be warm so you have to pick and choose your time of course and then when it's not warm oh, it's raining mornings. yeah go um, so doing it, but just like in other places um we did a junior park ranger training thing with the child over the weekend at a state park and the state parks are banging and like really are well put together and nice and have better trails and like better organized and like cleaner and have more trees and have more elevation especially because people this horse you're like florida's so flat and it's like it's not as flat as people think it is it's it just is that not, you have yeah. to travel out it's, outside it's, of disney disney's flat yeah get out of magic kingdom which is probably the flattest point in central florida let's be real it's, uh, it's man-made <laughs> go somewhere else get out of swamp walk swamp land uh, and go up a little bit and there are trees and so it, it was nice and i think um just doing that and it's really cheap entrance is like five dollars we have like a free thing right now that we can go to because she did that training or whatever and so it's cool that they teach the kids so I, I do want to do some of the programs where they keep teaching them about like what to look out for and like 
the culture and like the things that Florida has to offer, but also going to see different terrain because the state parks are notoriously in places where there are large bodies of water, but different kinds. Like there's some rivers or some that are closer to the coast. There are some that have like different uh, lakes, like the one we went to was a giant lake. So that sounds like a vibe. Um, so I'm interested so, in doing that. Yeah. My second um, bucket list goal is kind of in the same line. It's actually to uh, get out and go boating more and specifically to teach my friend Judah how to drive a boat because like I learned how to drive a boat kind of as like a child um, because it's Florida and it's lawless here. Um, So it's funny because I was talking to him and again, he's only been in Florida for about like a year and a half. I mean, he lived here when he was like younger, but has like lived in places that have like laws since then and so (laughs) i was like yeah we should just go get a we should go like rent a boat next time and he's like what's the licensing like what license that's what he asked me and i said what do you mean he was like like you know like well what like we have to like you know get the licenses and stuff and i was like no like we can just like ask like my my uncle for his boat or one of my friends like we'll just like take the boat out like i don't i don't understand what you're saying to me like I've just always been like, when someone has a boat, you just like borrow their boat, you just go. Like, I'm like, and he's like, do you have like a boating license? I was like, no, I don't even know where to get one. But I've been driving a boat since I was 12. So apparently <laughs> that's a very Florida Florida thing to it say. But really um, I did not, not know that people in other states, like, yes, you have a license. You have, license like, you have licenses. What? For, or do I think Florida might have fishing? I don't know. I know fishing yeah, licenses I, are a thing. And, and you know. I say maybe they do because it's. I think it's like mo- mostly been more like people that I borrow boats from. But I don't ever remember hearing anybody being like, "We gotta get a boating license, like go rent a boat." I'm. I like. I swear that's like not a thing here, but I, I could be wrong. But I've never had a boating license, and I do know how to drive a boat. But maybe I'll get a boating license summer. But definitely, I want to take a few boats out more often, and then teach him how to boat. And he has a drone, so like I'm excited about like going to different places, taking photos, things like that. So that should be fun. I love um, that I Google on the internet is like, you absolutely need a license to drive. <laughs> <laughs> so no. I've just been like, so have I been breaking? Oh, wait, actually they don't. They don't have a license. Okay. okay I was going to say, go. that would have been like, I would have been breaking the law and that's no. wild. Well, we okay. would take that out. We would have, if you were breaking the law, this would have been removed because we I, learned from I learned from YSL. I literally don't think I've like almost ever broken the law before, so that would be shocking. That's very uh, funny. Uh, <laughs> this is also very like, but this is also why when people hear these wild stories of like how people die on boats in Florida, it's because of this. <laughs> yeah, I will say that, like for me, like I'd always have, you know, when I was younger, I'd always have an adult on the boat and stuff like that. I wasn't allowed to take the boat out by myself until I was driving probably which wasn't until I was 19 so I wasn't it's not like I was taking it out by myself at 12 but I did learn to drive it at 12 um somewhere off the coast of Miami and where we had like a lot of space and there was no one else around you could literally not see another person uh, and then I, I started taking out my uncle's boat probably sometime around like my early 20s here on lakes and stuff but I'm not great at parking so I have to like there has to be like a like one of those little like fake beaches that's on a lake that I can just like throw the boat up there and yeah. park there and then I have to like call somebody and be like park it John can't drive a boat at all which is very interesting to me um I don't know that he's really tried a ton I think it like freaks him out but I think it's just one of those things like when you start it young you're just like pretty comfortable with it so yeah I'm just like I just want to do it more this summer and anybody wants to learn I want to teach them what I know and then actually maybe get licensed so that 
in other states, I'll never break the law. Thank, thank goodness I didn't. Because we thought about voting when we were, you know, up in the D.C. area and we just never got around to it. And I'm like, thank goodness I didn't because clearly I don't know that other states require, like, actual laws and paperwork um, for things. So, Floridians love, like, doing <laughs> wild things. Like, it's so funny. But voting is such, like, which is in, in other cultures as well. But, like, I cannot explain to anyone who's not from here or who has not lived here for an extended period of time how much... Floridians love boats. <laughs> like I can't. It is a culture. It is fascinating. Mm-hmm. They love being in a vehicle that moves on water. They're not Jesus. They can't walk on water, but they will get on a boat. They will go to the middle of the darkest depths of the ocean just to hang out. Yeah. Don't understand it. Spiritually or not you my go, ministry. You go or in a lake. You're you in go a lake. Until the ocean like, floor hey, comes hey. back up, and then you get out and you walk around in the middle, and you can't see it. Like you look, and there's nothing. Like, like it's like placid. It's fine. It they know so there's a 50 foot gator in there. They don't care. They're on a boat. It's fun. They'll jump off the end. They'll cannonball in it. Like Floridians oh, love. Boats. Speaking of gators, <laughs> I have to just say I did see the cutest meme that John showed me, and it is a gator that's like on like the like a pool raft, and that's so cute. <laughs> And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, that's so cute. And he's like, I know. And I was like, I don't think. I'm going to play send it to me so I can send it to my friend who's from New York and thinks that every I'll send it to you because I made him send it to me because I thought it was cute. She is like, there's obviously gators do what they want. They're like crossing the street. They go into unknown houses. They just live their lives. They're like, girl, you, I was here first. I'm a dinosaur. What you going to tell me? And so there was like video. My friend always sends her videos of just gators like going to people's houses or doing random things and she's like I like she's like I swear to god <laughs> if I see I this it. I'm gonna lose my mind I'm like girl you're gonna lose your mind because that's how they act it's their house like we moved into their home they were here first um as it should so. be All right goal number three goal number three I'm just getting a good time management balance of a person who chronically loves to make money and work and be busy uh just finding a good system and rhythm that does not murder me is important i guess if i want to stay alive long enough to see the end of the world gotta figure it out otherwise again we were talking a little bit about wanda maximoff queen of all women right now like i'm gonna turn to wanda and start being cuckoo bananas i gotta figure out a good balance because people it's so interesting but i feel like other people don't not that you should like you shouldn't like not everybody's a hustle mode working on time but people who don't work often when they need things have an unrealistic expectation of how long it takes to do anything so this is how we get into karen meltdown the like restaurants or whatever like people who go to disney it's very stay-at-home moms are probably some of the worst people (laughs) <laughs> in theme parks because they're like I don't know why the line is so long I don't know I have to wait for this and then and it's like they don't understand like the amount of work someone has to do or like servers that are like you know serving like seven tables at night and then Mother's Day is like the worst week because there's so many moms who are in there like ah why is it taking so long for me to get my pancakes and my mimosa and da 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 and it's like because you and 60 other people Susan decided to come to this one restaurant to eat the exact same thing and only five people work here like what do you <laughs> what do you want um so i am trying to find a better balance of time management just for myself because i i tend to to just do and go 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 and not really slow down or stop and so i'm just trying to find a a good balance of 
going and slowing down that works in an ebb and flow that's natural like a wave and not just like a tsunami of go 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 and then crash and burn (laughs) and then you become a flood and you destroy everything and then you come back up and become a tsunami it's more like finding again like the natural waves and the balance that work um which is good because i feel like as a person I'm, i'm really good about setting boundaries i i like it's insulting to other people apparently how <laughs> how much I don't share what I'm doing with my life on the internet is truly like people are straight up offended they'll be like I didn't know this happened I don't know what you're talking about um but it's part of me like to me having that not be a part of what I'm doing every day keeps the ebb and flow and I feel like if I was chronically worried about posting on Instagram and then posting on Facebook and da 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 like, I wouldn't get anything done. Like, how, how? I wouldn't, nothing would get done. So you got to figure so, out what your yeah. line, your lane is and work for it and, and do that. And I think the summer is a good time to reset because your yes. calendar is a little less chaotic. So, yeah, my third goal is actually, so we have a listing. Yay. And I want to get more listings because like now I've seen, you know, the buyer side of things, the listing side of things. Um, and I just, I really like, I mean, I like both sides, but I think the listening side is really fun. There's a lot more stuff that like I do cause John and I do different things. Right. So it's like the listing, you're doing a lot of like getting the house prepped, getting the house ready, taking photos of the house, like presenting the house, you know? So it's like, I really like that side of it. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to do like more of that and I'm still very undecided if I'm going to get my license because, again, like, I'm not only doing real estate. I'm doing multiple things like I always like to do. Um, and to do all the things I'm doing, I don't need a real estate license. It's so funny because most of what I'm doing is stuff that I've always done but just with houses. You know what I mean? It's like I'm a behind a camera, but instead of, like, people in front of me, it's houses. It's interiors. You know, it's, it's like I'm making videos of houses instead of people. So it's all similar skill set that I've used before. And then, of course, a lot of customer service. Um, but the customer service stuff that I do is a lot more fun. Whereas if I got my license, I would be, uh, I guess like legally allowed to do the stuff that's like not as fun. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to do that. So maybe I just won't get my license. Like I don't need, I don't need to write the offer. Like I feel like that's just not something I feel like I want to do at the moment. And maybe I'll change my mind and get my license later. But right now I'm like, yeah, I just want to focus on getting more listings. This is a great, uh, seller's market. So, you know, it's just one of those things where when you get to represent the seller, it's, it's really fun. Um, so yeah, so hopefully this summer, I know summer is just like a time when people move, like people love to move during the summer because their kids are, you know, out of school. It's a little bit easier to make time to pack. It's a little bit easier to make time to research or visit other areas or just do the move in general. Um, so this is kind of going to be like a busy bit of a go time, but again, I'm hoping to kind of balance that with, you know, like more listings and balance that with like time spent on a boat. So got to keep it all in balance. Again, and balance is key. Um, we have an amazing, amazing guest who is really um, in, informative about not just when we brought him on. <laughs> like we were like, okay, we're going to talk about one thing. We really went really into some deep dives, which is really awesome to talk to somebody. And then talking to people who, uh, again, like I say later on in the episode, that are chronically online or have been online for a very long time. That have that longevity. They have the longevity that, and they understand mm-hmm. that it's like not like how the game is played, so to speak, and like what been doing and where to go. And it's nice to talk to and connect to people who are like that because 
not everyone does and a lot of people are very new still like even if you've been in it for five years you're still that's new like it, yeah. it's almost like the way people think about the united states as a country like the baby country when you're a content creator it's still like i respect you because you've been in a long like five years is a long time but the historical pieces and not understanding how we got here like you weren't a part of that so to yes. speak and so you weren't there when we were the people were doing all this to kind of make things a little bit easier and more palatable and also like uh, something that people can do for a living because before people were just doing this for vibes <laughs> like yeah. you ain't get paid and people um, have to remember that it's like you know when you're creating your brand it's like you have to think about is this a brand that is going to be able to exist 5 10 15 20 years from now um and so i think it's so important to look at the the basically the pioneers of your industry who have been there killing it in their you know in their lane for quite some time um, to see like how how is it that they're doing that and kind of you know dissect that and and see what it is they did to make it work for so long because there's a lot of people that can come on and you know get a quick following and maybe go viral and you know their household name for like a, a year but it's like can you keep that going can you continue to have people following you and interested in what you're creating you know 15 years down the road and and then you know, not everyone can. So I think it's really, really important that you're listening to people in your field who are able to make that happen. For sure. So definitely take notes. It's a really great episode. It is a little lengthy, so feel free to break it up, but it's definitely worth listening to the whole thing. And as per usual, you can read and review us on the Apple podcast or on the other platform that exists that has the green icon and share in with your friends share the links we are available on anywhere that podcasts are hosted and um yeah and follow us on social we're heart and hustle podcast on instagram heart hustle pod on twitter use the hashtag boss so hard and we will see you next week see you next week Hey guys, I am so excited because today we are talking to somebody who I have followed on the internet for probably over a decade at this point. Um, so Bobby, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so excited to have you here. For our listeners who aren't already familiar just like with your work and what you do, just tell us a little bit about you and your background. Yeah. Hi. So one, thank you for having me. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of fun to be on like a platform and uh, be talking instead of just like videos. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, I guess, hi everybody. I'm Bobby Hicks. Um, I have a social media channel that like a brand, I guess, that I made a while ago called this fellow. And, uh, the most of what I do is basically I'm a freelance filmmaker, a uh, content creator as well that works with agencies to create, you know, ads, uh, basically for mobile platforms. But, uh, I also shoot, uh, weddings and events for like photography and video. And uh, just kind of for the funsies, I uh, I like to cook and and film that. <laughs> yeah, I actually started following you because like way back on probably like Tumblr days, I want to say maybe um, because your fashion was fantastic. And my husband at the time was dressing as if like, remember when those like Puff Daddy videos where everybody would be like <laughs> a white party and then maybe there'd be like another scene in the video where like they're all wearing like a ton of colors. Like that's mm. pretty much what John dressed like. And I was like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And so I started following your blog and learned a lot kind of just about like 
men's fashion and like putting things together because that wasn't something that I had really known anything about. And then when you started sharing like stuff about video, especially because you really started sharing a lot about like not just photography, but recording video before video blew up on the internet, you know, it's mm-hmm. like back when everything like there was no video on on Instagram, anything like that. And you were creating videos and also just using really cool techniques to do it that I had never actually seen before, even though I was shooting weddings at the time. I remember like at one point you put this like thing on your whole body. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it was like a camera, like some sort of like camera rig and you were like running around with it and then showing the behind the scenes of it. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that was actually even like during the the lockdown in New York, I think if if we were talking about my little probably. my little like snorry cam setup, you know. Yeah, probably. It's it's like um, you know, I I I don't want to say like, you know, I was looking ahead of the, you know, kind of like the Gretzky quote like, you know, look where the puck is going and not where it is, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like uh, I saw that there was an upward trend with video happening. I mean, maybe like eight years ago, nine years ago, you know, and not even that it was a trend, but kind of just like there is some real potential here. And instead of just investing solely, because I also just enjoyed it more. And there was something about it where it's just like, I taught myself everything. I never went to film school. I, I didn't have a, a, a tutor or class or anything I took. I just kind of watched videos, saw what other people were doing, said to myself, why is my stuff not looking like this? And I studied uh, just YouTube university style, like just kind of did what I could to understand it. And, um, you know, basically it's like, just kind of learned how to actually make better video, you know, like what does shutter speed have to do with this? Like, why is, uh, why is this transition not linking up right? And like, you learned quite a bit about editing. And in that process over probably a couple of years of just making like dumb fitness videos or, or just silly, whatever I was making, um, I kind of figured out pretty quickly, like how to do good, good stuff. And, you know, I don't know. It's like, I guess like once you actually get the foundations and like the technique of everything down, it gets a lot more, uh, it gets a lot easier to get more creative and and more interesting with your stuff. So it's like, you know, I, I love things like Guy Ritchie films where it's like, you know, the camera is just like doing stuff that's making you feel like you're immersed in it. And I was like, how do they do that? And I learned about Snorri cams. And uh, that's basically like that fixed perspective camera that you see in everything, but you just don't think about it, you know? And uh, I was like, okay, well, I could just fake that, you know? And I got a little uh, friction arm attached to my camera to it and held it at the end of my arm and just walked around like that, like as if it was just part of my arm. And made a little fun video with that because there was literally nothing else that you could do in New York at the beginning of 2020. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it really makes such a difference. Like people don't realize when you're telling a story and trying to set a particular scene, like just how the camera moves, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. like really comes into play a lot more than I think people think. And now I think there's definitely like a pressure for people to feel like they need to like learn video overnight. And I think a lot of people get frustrated because they're like, why doesn't my video look like this, you know, certain creator? And I'm like, because they literally spent, like, I literally watched you, you know, like, like start from, you know, okay, Mm -hmm. playing around with it to like where you're at now, where your video is freaking amazing. But it's like, that's why, like it took years to get to that point. And people are trying to get there in like three months. (laughs) And I'm like, that's not going to (laughs) work. Yeah. And it's like, I think that there's something, you know, like, uh, in no way am I trying to, uh, diminish the efforts that people are making and stuff or like 
talk you know badly about things like TikTok or something, but you know, it's it's like I, I think with because there was a boom, you know, it's like there there was literally it felt like an overnight boom where it's just like Gen Z was able to come in and was just like, hey, fuck it, like we're going to like make our own content and it redefined just the entire like social media landscape, yes. you know? And the thing that it, it initially, it kind of, it kind of pissed me off. Cause I was just like, this is so annoying. Like I spend hours, sometimes days making like videos and things like this that are like going to look really great and all this. And it's like, and then I've got 500,000 people that are just kind of using their iPhone and doing really dumb transitions that like I could do so much better. And I kind of had to like take a minute and realize that it's like one, you know, it's like, these are people that are actually like really just trying to understand how to do these things better, you know? And so that, that was kind of like, okay, that was exciting. And that was kind of like, okay, that's, that means that we we're in, in a good, good direction though. You know, it's like people are actively trying to be better and that's the only way that you get there is by like practicing and like doing these silly transitions that all of a sudden, like you give somebody six months of doing it, they're pretty solid at it. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like, it's interesting to see the evolution of things because in 2020, I was like, oh, this is so dumb. But now it's kind of interesting to see how far people have come. Yeah. And it gets me excited, honestly, for movies in the future, because I feel like that's been such a field that was had like, just like a very like hard to get in. And now that it's so much more accessible to, you know, learn, start to learn the basics, at least on your phone, then you can get a, a camera that's not like too expensive. I'm really excited to see like what filmmakers come up with in the future, because like you said, like there's, it's just been like a boom and it's changed so drastically so quickly when it comes to social media. So I'm like, I feel like we're going to see, you know, like a lot of these kids that are on, in Gen Z that have been, you know, jumping into video in the last like few years, we're going to see them creating films soon. And I think that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, I follow a lot of film accounts on Instagram and stuff and like they, they kind of make the joke about it that it's like, <laughs> you know, filmmakers in, in the next generation are going to do things that no one's done before, you know, but it's like, it is true though. Like, I think that there is something that, um, you know, kids right now that are maybe like 15, they're just kind of having fun with their phone. Like my, my, my nephew writer, you know, it's like, he's not 15, he's uh, 10, you know, but it's like the things that that kid will do with his iPhone, I'm kind of not even thinking about yet, you know? And it's like, yeah. and it's just kind of exciting because it's like his, like everybody has their brain heading in the right direction. And when they are actually able to link that together with the technique that they would need, you know, um, to execute it, it's, it's going to be kind of crazy. And it's like, I don't know if that's just going to be a new form of storytelling, but I mean, you know, if even just like, I'm, I'm older, uh, than maybe, I don't know. I don't exactly know. No, what the I age think you're a little is, but... bit older than me. I'm 35. Yeah. I'm 37. So okay. it's like, like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like in general, you know, it was kind of awesome because it's like when you're a kid, you're watching movies and stuff. And it's like, that was entirely unattainable. Like it, there was this point where you just kind of realize, like, Oh my God, like people get paid to do this. You know, it's like <laughs> there, there are entire teams of people that make films. And then, you know, like when YouTube started to kind of blow up and then storytelling and stuff like that really kind of became something that anybody could do from their home. Uh, that got really exciting. And I don't know, it's just like, it, it, you, you see the evolution of things and going in directions that you just never expected before. I mean, there's even a film called Hardcore Henry, 
that in itself is is maybe not even like the best film. It's pretty fun to watch, but you know, it's like, and it's just a first person film where an actor, and it's basically just meant to be like a one take, like a 90 minute one oneer, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, to think about the fact that this probably took them months and months to make, you know, the guy, the actor that was doing it had to wear a helmet rig that had like a bunch of GoPros on it so that they could actually map and make this feel like you were the person living in this like one day kind of event thing. It's phenomenal. And it's like, that's something that nobody would have ever been able to even dream up, you know, like uh, 20 plus years ago or 30 years ago. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where things go from there. Yeah, you've set the bar um, a little too high. Sorry. <laughs> like, and I say this from a perspective of, I know zero about you, just learned about you today. <laughs> really just checked out all the things that you got Hi. going on. Hi. Yeah, I have um, to tell you, you'll, find, you'll get a kick out of this, Bobby. So we were talking right before you got on and she was like, I have seen his girlfriend, partner. I have seen her before. From and the it, internet, from MySpace days. <laughs> a scene girl and I was like <laughs> yes I was like very much so like she used to be a scene girl and she's like oh my god yeah so it was that's funny um I, I, that's what I told her I was like yeah Keiko was around like during like the heyday of vlogging like when everybody like there was nothing else it was just blogs mm-hmm. and she was one of like the the you know the girls back then that was like everybody knew um and yeah I just thought that was so funny that she she remembered her and she's like but she she was just like i remember having a very different look and i was like yep totally different look that well look different and also the same you know what i mean but yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it, keiko keiko is doing this to the point where like i remember when the word blog first came yeah exactly <laughs> i remember i remember like you know I, I don't even think we were dating at the time we were just like friends like we we we've had a very very long relationship you know and friendship and it's like at that time i think the word blog was just like coming out and i was like man uh-huh. that's such a stupid word <laughs> i think yeah collectively was, the internet was like this is a dumb word and yeah it's like old moms or whatever you know like it but, really wasn't for us <laughs> yeah and it's like she stuck with it you know against yeah. like like she did it kind of initially as just like a platform to just express herself because you know she is a bit of an introvert in in a lot of ways and she's one of those kind of introverts that like uh, really express themselves very powerfully uh, on a, on another platform like like text, you know, like writing, and you know, and so that's how she was able to express herself. And by doing that, just consistently, it's like she grew a very uh, loyal audience that mm-hmm. carried into social media when that kind of started with MySpace and then into Instagram. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like the people that have been following Keiko have been. Like they've either been at least aware of her or following her for like 12 ish, 15. Yeah, it feels like yeah. a very long time. Like, I'm like, I feel like it's it's definitely like 18 years. Yeah. yeah, I'd say 18 because it's like, yeah, she was doing this yeah. life, like, life I think about it, and I'm like, oh, I was 25 10 years ago. Mm. Oh my gosh, yeah, she was doing this with Live Journal, like, so way yep, before... yep, that's what I remember. I mean, I was yeah. on Live Journal a lot. Um, that's why I was like, oh, yeah, this is from the when you're on the old internet for the young people like don't know who are listening and like what are you guys talking about <laughs> there was only so many like what we would call influencers or people who had enough status and there were only so many people online but you knew of people just from being in spaces where like it was just so it was a smaller internet world and so if you were on live journal in my space most of the time you knew of the same people and i'm still friends with all like all of my friends yeah. from my school, yeah. live journal like one of them was came to my wedding uh you know so i totally understand that that's <laughs> 
piece of like following somebody for 18 you think that's what happens you just became and honestly a lot of people were friends like that's how you became friends you just became yeah. friends from being i mean we became friends through blogging yeah so <laughs> it's, just, it's just a thing that happened um but since you are now pivoting into a new platform which is retro recipes kitchen which is super cute and adorable and like very much i'm watching uh Thank julia you. on hbo so <laughs> this is what it's kind of reminding me of a little bit so tell us a little bit about where that idea came from and then what are some of your favorite dishes that you've uh, created thus far yeah thanks uh and yeah and, and just be be sure to like stop me if i'm just rambling no you're fine <laughs> um yeah so i mean uh i guess like ritual recipes kind of started uh around the beginning of 2020 it's like when we were in new york during the lockdown there there was literally nothing you could do in new york city like you were locked in and you know it, it's like i've always thrived outside like i use the world as a canvas and like as a backdrop and like i will be i'm the guy that used to like drive four and a half hours just to go to like a, a very specific location to take a single photo. You know, it's like, that's how I, that's, that was, I thrived that way. And so when 2020 lockdown kind of hit, like that really messed me up and Keiko was there to kind of like be there, just encourage me. And she was like, you know, you got to start to like pivot. You got to, you got to learn how to like adapt and we got to start to, you know, create indoors and like figure things out. And so she thrived, you know, m more than anybody I've ever met. And me, I had to kind of like really take a seat back and, you know, like reassess what I would actually like to do. And it's like, well, I love to make videos. And we were watching a lot of Great British Bake Show, you know, and wow. uh, it's just like it was my binge show. I'd, I'd finished the whole series and it just started again because it was just like such a I happy same. thing. I watch it over and over. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. And and it was one of those things for like watching it. I was like, man, these are so cool. It's uh I just, you know, was thinking to myself like about how much I love like classic dishes and stuff like this. Like I would collect cookbooks and things. And I was like, what if we did like a, you know, kind of like a funny just skit here and there about like making like a dish, you know, but taking like a, a really silly recipe from one of these books and just kind of recreating that on video. And she was like, yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun, but we just didn't have any space in New York. And we were in the process uh, at some point of like getting our first house so I was like, okay, like I'll just plan this out. And then uh, when we move down to Florida, we can do it in the kitchen that we get there because there'll be more space. So long story short, you know, it's like we kind of tweak the idea and the concept a little bit where it's like the original uh, and, and still kind of, I think, like the main retro recipe videos that I do, you know, we create uh, classic recipes from like old cookbooks from, you know, like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. But we also, uh, like, I, I was like, man, it might be kind of fun to, like, dress like that, though. Like, make it look like it. You know, I can edit the videos to actually look and feel like as if they're from there. And so I studied a bunch of videos on online that uh, were from that period of time. And I just recreate the videos to look like it. We would get vintage clothing to actually dress like it. And uh, it turned out to be kind of fun, and people liked it. And so I kind of made more. And, you know, after a year, I think we made about, like, 10, you know, and by the end of the year, I was just like, you know what? Like, I, I, I want to do this full tilt. Like, I want to go into it and just like really, really embrace it. And so, you know, I knew that that was going to require a lot because, you know, it's not just we just kind of pick a recipe and cook it and edit it. It's like, you know, we set up lighting, we set up multiple camera shots and stuff like this. It takes a full day usually just to do one video, you know, and uh, then I edit it and they send it out to our friend Katie Oxman, who lives in New York still. And she's a voice actor. Uh, and so it's like, she'll do the voice acting, send it back to us. So it was like, we need to 
I need to have like a system for this to be more efficient because like to, in order to succeed and to really be shown on any platform, you've got to be going daily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of just uh, started doing a fun series that was also Keiko's idea. Like she's, she's, she's always the one that like helps like refine like any ideas that I, I might have. Cause I'm all over the place. And she's like, let's reel it in. Let's like focus on this. <laughs> and she came up with it. She was like, why don't you try doing something like, you know, these recipes look like they're, they're really terrible, but maybe they're good. Like, why don't you do something like bring it back or, or like stay in the past? Like, you know, and I was like, Oh, that's amazing. And so now it's kind of gotten to the point where uh, between Instagram and TikTok. You know, it's like I make uh, a new retro recipe cooking video every single day. Um, and most of them are the bring it back or say in the past because this is a little easier and I can do that with my iPhone. But that series has actually done really well on TikTok. And it went from having zero followers on February 1st you know, this year uh, when I started the TikTok. And uh, I think I just hit around like 46,000 um, yesterday. That's so, wow. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, actually, the funny thing is like, uh, you know, so <laughs> so Keiko's Keiko's obviously like you, know, you guys have known Keiko for a long time. Like she's she's kind of the person that like everybody recognizes and stuff. This is the very first time in the history of our relationship that um, like a channel that I've created has actually surpassed something that she's done. <laughs> so she wow. was like, she's like, Pat, she's like wiping her hand. She's like, all right, you're going to be my sugar daddy now. And I was just right. like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I'm working my ass off so that like, basically she can not have to work. <laughs> Get it girl. Love yeah, yeah. <laughs> love to see it. <laughs> it's like my only goal. It's like, like people are like, what do you want to do? Like, what's the outcome for this? Like, I just want to be able to like, be the, my girlfriend sugar daddy and just like <laughs> just take care of her. We love that here. <laughs> That's amazing. That's like and again just shows like how how amazing you can grow on TikTok when you have like a really good niche and you know mm-hmm, doing something sure. specific that other people aren't doing because that's what I love about it is that you know like my grandma you know is from like the time frame basically that you're you know a lot of the recipes are from and so for me it just really takes me back to like being in her kitchen because just like little things that you guys will add in and I'm like this is literally what it felt like you know what I mean to like be at the counter you know I felt like like in my grandparents house I would feel like I was like transported back in time basically and these were basically all the things that she made speaking of which if somebody sends you a recipe will you recreate it you do that right so, um, I mean, up until very recently, like people weren't really even considering stuff like this, you know, and then like, I'd say when the TikTok channel started to, because it, it's almost like exponentially growing. It was like almost it, at the beginning, it'd be like every day I might get like 50 to 100 new followers. And it's like, that's great. And then it was uh, up to like 100 or 250, 500. And now it's like almost every day I'm getting at least a thousand followers and it's uh i'm getting more and more people that are seeing this and it's like i found these recipes that would be a lot of fun and i did a recipe just a couple of days ago that uh, i was opening a book and um this paper just like fell out of it and i opened it up and it's a recipe you know with like ingredients and and like the actual measurements for each ingredient but like there's no instruction there's not even a title so i have no idea what it is and i was like ooh mystery ingredients you know mystery recipe so i made this dish as a video and i published it and at the end of it i was just like this was so much fun i don't know if i made this correctly but it tasted great let me know what you guys think of this like if you might have a different idea of what it is but also if you guys have any recipes that are basically mystery recipes 
you know, you can send it. And there's a uh, like a PO box link and everything like this. And uh, people started to actually send stuff. So I haven't made any yet, but it's like, you know, people are DMing me and emailing me and, and mailing to me like recipes. So I'm, I'm going to probably make that a regular thing. I like very much want you to recreate my grandmother's cookies because like we have the recipe and my mom and I just cannot do it. Like whenever we like, I don't know what we're doing wrong, but we do it and we're just like, well, that's not correct. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have all of her vintage cookbooks. So I'm going to have to send you some, some recipes. Cause I'm like, 100%. I, cause I don't know if you've like ever had a cookie like this, but back in the day, like those chocolate cookies that like old grandmas make, they like mm. have a dome. Yeah. yeah and i'm like how does that happen i don't know we cannot figure it out so i'm like i'm gonna send you a recipe so you can figure it out for me yeah, the funny thing is that like a lot of the recipes that i end up cooking on a regular because i do again i do this like daily like usually i'll try to i'll try to be smart about it and do like two or three recipes in a day if i can so that i can breathe for another day or yeah. two but it's like i've i'm not a baker you know, it's like I <laughs> I worked in a kitchen for a little bit and doing like a bunch of odds and ends, but it's like I'm not a, a classically trained cook or anything. So a lot of this is kind of coming from just like, you know, Julia Child style, like just kind of figuring it out, like you'd mentioned and stuff, where it was like, I'm just reading the recipes and just following them. And I think that that's kind of the fun of it, because it's like there's there's so many recipes that I've made where I'm like, oh, this was phenomenal. And then I'll follow another recipe to an absolute T and be like, this recipe is just wrong because like they're like omitting things entirely. And like there's shit that like, <laughs> like is not, not even like in there. Like uh, I made one dish that was a Dutch recipe for an Amish cookbook that my grandmother gave me. And I was like, so excited to work with it. I've made two dishes. Both of them were utter absolute failures <laughs> because it's like, they just, they just like, these are Amish women that are just like, here's the general idea. And I'm sure if you've got this book, you already know how to make this. And so it's like all of the ingredients, it's just like listed. There's nothing that says flour by the end of it, by the end of it, you know, in the, in the notes in the middle, it's just like, yeah, use enough flour to kind of work this in. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. I have to use flour. I ended up going through all of the flour that I had. That was over four cups of flour. (laughs) You know, it's like, so it's kind of funny. Like when you, when you, read some of these old recipes especially if they're like from uh old grandmothers or like yeah. family members because they just they had a shorthand they knew what they wanted yes. to do 100 and then it's just like they just take it with them <laughs> yeah i'm just like like i feel like my grandmother was kind of like well duh like to like some of the ingredients whereas my mom and i were like no we don't we don't it took us so long because she's italian it took us so long to figure out her sauce recipe like after she died, like it took like 70 people in my family, like getting their <laughs> notes to finally be like, okay, like we finally figured out like all the little bits and pieces of it because she just would kind of be like, yeah, you know, you just kind of do a little this and a little that and then you're done, you know? And it's like, no, we don't know. <laughs> and and that's kind of like the most amazing part about it. Like that's, that's like, I'd say like truly for me, like that's the impetus. Like I don't, I, I truly don't really give a shit about like being TikTok famous or anything like this. I I, like cooking is my love language. I love it so much. It just makes me happy. But it's like, there's something behind like every single dish that you cook, you know, especially if it's like a family dish or something like this, where like you are, you're tweaking it. You're trying to understand it. There's nuance to things like there's, there's flair and finesse that, that can't be written in something. And so like you discover it as you go. And it's like, I just think that that's kind of my favorite thing about any of this stuff and so hearing you say that it's just it gets me excited like the idea Mm -hmm. of like you and your whole family trying to like 
figure out this nuanced recipe just to make it exactly for that memory, you know? And so a lot of people, when they see these videos, they're like, man, that just took me back, you know? So I love that you like cooking is your love language. You're clearly in love with it. How long have you been cooking? How did you fall in love with it? Like, where did that love originally come from? And what are the like, things that you're cooking outside of retro recipes that you love to make? Um, so, I mean, basically like, you know, <clears throat> um, I didn't really have any formal uh, experience doing anything when I left Florida. I'm, I'm also originally from Orlando represent, you know, <laughs> um, okay. yeah. These Orlando people on our podcast. Today. I'm outnumbered. You're from South Florida, but that's awesome that you're from Orlando. Yeah, and it's like I, uh, I I was in Orlando. I escaped. Um, I moved to New York, and uh, you know, it's like when I got there, you know, living in Orlando, there were, there were no real good jobs at the time when I was like getting out of high school and stuff. Uh, and I just saved some money. I moved up to New York, and and I got really lucky. But I got experiences working at places like the Soho Grand Hotel, um, and I was just a room server. I was like, you know the guy that delivered food to your room at like two in the morning when you're a little hungover and you're just like, yeah, I want fries. That was me, you know? And you know, like the cool thing about it was that like, it was in the kitchen, you know, it's like, that's where the room server phone was and everything. And so I became really good friends with a lot of the cooks that were there. And, you know, I, I just kind of, I'm one of those like uh, visual learners. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I watch people um, and I ask questions and it's annoying to some people, but it's like, I pick up things very, very quickly. And so I worked a lot of the breakfast shifts. And so I was like learning from these guys how to just do things like make a perfect omelet or X, Y, and Z, or why are you sticking the whole pan in the oven to cook an egg or something like this, like little tricks and tips. And eventually this, uh, this chef came in, Chef Paul Girard. Um, guy was awesome. He was very intimidating, had tattoos and stuff. And I was just like, man, like I want to, I want to be friends with this guy. Cause I, uh, you guys can't see, but I have tattoos too. And I was just like, he stood out and I basically asked him one day, I was just like, Hey man, like, I know I'm in room service, but like, is there anything that I can do where I can just like come and work with you guys and like learn for free? And he took me under his wing, um, let me work with him and his staff. And, uh, you know, basically like they were kind enough to like a year and a half later, like he just came over to a different job that I was working at. And I was just like, Hey, uh, just so you know, uh, it's good to see you again. I haven't seen you in a year. <laughs> um, you're going to quit your job today and, uh, you're going to come work with me over at the Soho house. And, uh, I did, you know, I put in my two weeks notice. And then two weeks later I was working, uh, as a cook at the Soho house with no experience, but he and his team like taught me everything from scratch. And so I had a year and a half of like incredible hands-on experience. I learned how to work with some of the best chefs that I think you could work with. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, that's how I started to really like go from just like cooking is kind of fun. And like, I like the, the way that things smell and taste into like understanding, like, you know, why you season something after, or, you know, it's like, yeah, any, I don't know any of the nuances. And see, this is why I love New York because that's such a New York story to be like, I was yeah. delivering cold fries and then I met this cool guy with tattoos and he took me yeah, under the right? I'm like, it's a New York movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it, like to have these experiences and like, I, th I think that's also why like I, I, I've, I like to make these videos not because like, yes, they're, they're so much fun to do, but it's like, I also like to give back in some small way. You know, it's like, I, I I'm not, a teacher or anything like this. And I'm the last person to ever say, this is the way you have to do this. But it's like, I think that there are so many people that are like me that are just like, I wish that I understood how to do this. 
there's no content for it or like, you know, and so I think it's a lot of fun where it's like, I found this pocket niche of, you know, amazing people that like classic retro recipes like I do, but no one's, you know, like there are very few people making them, you know, and at least like putting the recipes out there and showing this history and stuff. And so <clears throat> I think it's a lot of fun because people are just getting, especially, you know, again, like Gen Z and like, you know, the newer generation of kids that have like maybe never heard of half of these dishes, you know, For real? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like most of the shit that I make is like from scraps. Like I've made some of the most amazing dishes just using like, day-old bread and like raisins that were sitting around in my cupboard that had like an apple next to it and i was like oh yeah that's in the book i'll make it and it blew my blew my mind you know you can say fuck (laughs) (laughs) you definitely saw me stop myself i was just like old bread is like so great though like people don't realize how many things that you can use old bread for well people don't eat bread anymore so that's (laughs) like (laughs) y'all first of all bread is great so bread is is life bread is Uh, life okay so tell me your favorite meals that aren't retro though i mean if I want to know like what you're making, like when you're like, okay, I've done this like every day for like seven days in a row. I want to eat something that's like not retro today. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, I'm, I'm the seriously the most basic kid ever though. It's like, I love just, you know, like if I, I mean, if I'm cooking it, I'll just mix it in like Mexican food or something cheap, like easy. I think a good soup is actually like probably my favorite thing to make, you know, like you can, you can make a, banger soup that will last you for days and you know it's like we're just leftover stuff and it's kind of fun too because i was always told that like the test that a lot of like old old school chefs and stuff would actually have a cook do when they would come into a kitchen is uh make a soup and if your soup was good enough you know and it didn't have to be crazy it didn't have to be fancy but it's like if your soup is not terrible then it's like you'd get a job <laughs> you know? I mean, that and, makes sense because soup can be very boring, but then mm-hmm. soup can also be fantastic. And I think that's, you know, somebody can be inventive enough to pull stuff together and pull a good soup together just based on like the ingredients that are in front of them and figure that out, then yeah, they're most likely going to be able to be a creative cook. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, also, it's like if, if I really take a minute to like reflect on what I'm eating and stuff, like, you know, I'll spend hours and hours making all these like dishes and filming it and all this stuff. But like, I also very much am the guy that every single night will just like grab two pieces of like plain white bread, slap some jiffy peanut butter on there and like some jelly and just eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I can tell you love sandwiches because of your channel. Yeah. Yeah. Like I put <laughs> a lot of sandwiches in there. They're so easy. And it's like, it, I don't know. It's like, they're just some weird sandwiches from these books too. Yes. But, but like you give me a PB and J and I'm solid, you know? That's dope. No, <laughs> banger soups is definitely going down mm-hmm. in like a food category in my household, like banger mm-hmm. soups. Uh, like just a, we no longer just have soups. We have banger soups. My husband banger is, soup. is, he loves soup and that's his kind of jam. And so I'm going to be like, what banger soup do you want today? Yeah. Um, so you, we talked about a little bit, again, like you have learned a lot about video and recording and really put your, your bread and butter, no, all puns intended, uh, <laughs> behind it to figure out what you're trying to do. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to point out was that when you moved from New York to back to Central Florida, back to Orlando, and your content kind of shifted a little bit, even though it was still kind of the end of the 2020 pandemic, you know, 2021, new where your visuals didn't change. And so I think a lot of people think that they have to be in a New York and a LA uh, to Mm. have a Vancouver, Toronto, London, to have a really good video feed or even Instagram, you know? And I think that you've done a fantastic job of not even 
taking that aesthetic but also improving on it and then not Thank really you. like I, and i get it central florida can be kitschy like i we live right here in celebration it's nice and then we go out to 192 well and he's in like, south oh. florida so it's a little easier for him uh it's still kitschy down there look it's, i get we get like no 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 I, i'm <laughs> No, <laughs> it's kitschy. Mm-hmm. Better, have to die. Better, though, I still think the aesthetics are better in South. You, in so. some places, but then you go down the street and it's a strip mall. It's very similar to here. <laughs> like it's nice, and then you go down the road. It's pretty mall, similar. It's yeah, it's so, so, yeah. It's no, no more palm trees. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but you do a good job. And so, what have you learned from shooting? I guess specifically retro recipes, and what is that process like in filming this? channel and these tiktoks like tell us a little bit about the magic and dumb it down for us because i know we have people listening who like mm. want to get into video and need to know like the basics yeah okay well i i mean so it's like one of the the consistent things that like i learned very early on when i was in new york and i was filming stuff is that like in new york city i, I did not have a big studio you know it's like we keiko had her studio but like i was very rarely actually just shooting there it's mostly shooting at home if i was doing something and especially during the lockdown, it's like we we just had our apartment um, and there's not a lot of space. So you get really comfortable and, and creative with the idea of like having one area that you can make work, you know, and trying to find ways that you can zhuzh it up a little bit. You know, it's like in, in our studio, you know, it's like our apartment, you know our studio apartment, basically, you know, it's like we would have a seamless backdrop that we could drop down, which is kind of like the colorful rolls of paper on, on the hanger. You know, it's like, and that would be like a really fun, creative way where it's like we could make a different environment, you know, um, and adding different things in the foreground and the background to kind of give depth, you know, with the current setup right now, you know, it's like, I'm just trying to really lean into the fact that it's like, most of what I'm shooting these days is uh, at my house, which is great. You know, and so it's like, I just try to keep my house as clean as possible. You know, it's like, try to make, try to make something feel like a set. You know, it's like, if you're going to be shooting something, you know, it's like, before you shoot anything, take a minute and look at it and say, would I double tap this? You know, it's like, uh, like, is, does this spark joy? <laughs> you know, because uh, like, th- that's the first thing that people are going to look at. I remember I was talking about this recently that you know, when I was a teenager, the human attention span was probably somewhere around like 15 seconds. And today, the some studies came out saying that like the human attention span is less than three seconds. So Ooh, if, wow, it's less than three seconds. So if you don't and, and again, please don't quote me on it and stuff like citing it, but it, but it's three seconds or less, you know? Yeah, I, but it's a, uh, you know, it's it's like, you have to be able to inspire somebody beyond the end goal of what your video is like you have to get them hook line and sinker getting into it and whether that's using a catchphrase you know or or an interesting way that you're starting your video like either starting it with the end and then that baits people into it you know it's like you have to be as strategic as possible uh when it comes to making videos and stuff and i mean most of the stuff i do is just with my phone if i'm making if i'm making like the uh, the full retro recipe videos i am using a camera but that doesn't mean that I couldn't make it with my phone, you know? Um, so, I mean, like if you're getting started in this, you know, it's like find a niche that you enjoy, you know? Uh, so let's say it's gardening, hypothetically. The most important thing after that is, okay, let's find let's find out where you're going to be doing this uh, and then find a sub niche. You know, it's like, I think that that's where things are moving now, especially and have been for a bit, but it's like, if you're going to be creating something, 
you can't just generalize on something like garden. You have to be like the expert at making spaghetti squash, you know, and like nobody fucking touches your spaghetti squash online. Like you are the spaghetti squash master, then create content based around that or like specific stuff. You know, it's like having focuses like this will also help you with the way that you're going to design it. And then I don't know. Repetition is king. It's just like, you know, you're going to make a lot of accidents along the way and a lot of happy accidents where you just realize, like, oh, that worked out. You know, uh, the lighting was terrible today, but it was good the next day. I'll get a light over here or I'll do X, Y, and Z. You got to test things out. And sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes weeks, you know, and sometimes you just, you just get it. I don't know. So There's never a satisfying answer. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, awesome. I, I completely, that completely makes sense. Let's say we have an entrepreneur who's like a young person they're listening right now. They have the thing that they know they want to share about, but they are just getting into video and they're feeling, you know, just like they have no idea where to start. What are the things, let's assume they have like, you know, an iPhone or, or an equivalent. What would be like the first few steps that you would say they should take as far as like maybe equipment to get that sort of thing? I mean, uh, <laughs> it'd be a little hypocritical of me to say like, well, you need to get you know, like very good specific X, Y, and Z, because if you saw the rig that I use when I'm shooting like the, uh, the iPhone stuff, it's pathetic. <laughs> I have a, I've, I'm using a broken light stand that's literally held together with duct tape and a screw. Oh my um, gosh. it's, wow. it's sitting on a stand that I had that just holds an iPhone, but it's inside of an old broken, like ring light, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's literally just, it's an old broken ring light, but I only use it not for the light just because it has an iPhone stand. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like there, the, like at the end of the day, there are plenty of, there are plenty of accounts and videos that will tell you like, this is the gear that I use and this X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, like your idea is what matters. And if you can, if you can functionally make it work again, I've done this every single day, <laughs> for months and months and uh, every week I'm like, I should probably find a new setup, but I don't because it works and I'm happy mm -hmm. with it. I'd say if anything, one, one of the biggest changes that I've made, um, you know, and this is constant for any video is that like, you can be shooting something with a $50,000 cinema camera, you know, and make like the best video ever and stuff. But if your audio is trash, people are, are going to hate it. And then you can yeah. shoot something like with a super eight camera that's from 1954 and it looks grungy and all this stuff, but you can have really good sound overlaid over that video and like build an environment and make it immersive. And it becomes something that is inspiring and something that will be remembered, you know? So it's like, for me, what I did was I usually shoot the, uh, bring it back or say in the past videos with my iPhone, but I, I got a, a new microphone for my, for my phone. So I got a Rode, like, I think like a iPhone mic. I, I forget exactly even the name of it. It didn't even matter. It was like a $90 microphone or something like this that you just plug into the bottom of your phone. But it acts like a shotgun mic. And so it, so it directionally picks up the, the sound coming in front of it. You know, so if you were speaking into it, it gets really beautiful, crisp, clear audio that like makes it really easy for you to edit with. Um, whereas the normal camera or, or the, sorry, the normal iPhone mic on there is omnidirectional. So it's like <laughs> there are old videos where I'd have a, a neighbor across the street 
that would be mowing their yard with like a loud machine and it would pick it up just like as if it was outside the front door there are birds chirping and like in my video you hear the birds chirping more than you hear me <laughs> you know but so it's like when you've when you've got at least good audio that it doesn't matter if you have terrible video you know it's like people just want to be able to hear you as clearly as possible um and then I also just think adding subtitles and things like that is very important because yes. there are plenty of people that can't hear. And then, I mean, me in particular, like I'm actually like pretty much deaf in one ear. So I watch everything with every video and everything with subtitles anyway. And most of the time I watch it with no audio at all, you know, um, but it's, it's safe. And it's really a great idea to have that as an option for anybody. Yeah. Audio makes a huge difference for me, but I'm like, same. it's like I have everything turned way up and I have subtitles just in case I miss something. A lot of times I like to read it even though I can hear it when I can. I, I don't know. And then like, then there's people that do the extreme and they like go so far with the sound that it's super intense, like the movie mm. Dune. I don't know if you've seen that mm. movie yet, but dear goodness, <laughs> people don't do that. Like, like make, make, the, make the sound something that our ears can deal with because I'm old now. So I, I can't, I can't deal with all that. <laughs> do you, do you, do you remember when I, uh, like, I think it was before we got on, I was talking to you about like how I, I, <laughs> I watch everything on like this really shitty, like laptop that's yes. or something and the speakers are popping and broken and all this. Like Did you watch I, Dune on that? I, I watched dude on that. Like, well, really that's what I should have done because I, I stupidly went to the movie movie theater and I felt like I was like this is like an out of body experience like I feel like my body is shaking because of how loud it, was so it is loud. I was looking at John I was like are you feeling okay because I'm not feeling okay like I, I want to go like this is like shaking my body but then it was funny because it would be completely silent for like 20 minutes and then all of a sudden like you know a spaceship would move or something and it's just like <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh like i don't know what they were thinking when they i feel like the people who did sound for that are like related to the people who did video for that episode of game of thrones where you can't see anything oh 100 yeah it's like <laughs> you you like you are so focused and fixated on like the darkness that you were like yes. struggling to see and that puts you in it even more and so when you actually do see something it just like hits you in the face <laughs> yeah. like when, when everything comes back to normal you like oh, i can't you know yeah it was a lot <laughs> um and then yeah i guess like I, the only other advice i'd say is um, if you are, you know, especially if you're just getting started, um, you know, or even if you're not actually like, I don't know if most people have this idea, but like I'd mentioned it earlier that I, I personally try to, you know, shoot about like two or three videos every time I go to film, you know? So it's like, I will pick my recipes in advance. I will have my outfits laid out in advance. Like I have all of my ingredients in like their dishes or, or my mise en place, like whatever, whatever I'm shooting. Right. Um, but I will make it a point to shoot at least two or three things uh, that day. Um, so that, that way it's like, because consistency is key. Your audience wants to know that you're going to be coming back. And it also gets really easy to skip a day or forget. And then you're just like, well, you know, whatever it's like, Whereas if you make it a point to try to post daily, if that's your goal, you know, it's like it gets really difficult to shoot something like blocking the time to actually shoot something every single day and then edit it. But if you put aside, let's say, like a day that you have off, because, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. I work from home. I have the ability to do this. But it's like if you are working a normal job and stuff and you have a day off and you want to take this seriously, then I recommend just trying to put aside one day and then shoot three to five videos you know, um, 
whatever you can, depending on like how difficult they are to make. And that way, like you've got stuff that you can stagger throughout the week. So that way you're not stressed. You're, you're able to actually breathe. And, you know, all you have to do is just, oh, hey, guess what? It's Wednesday. I'll just cue this up, pop it really quick. And that's what I do every morning, you know? Yeah, I love how you just said, like, your audience wants to know that you're coming back. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, they struggle with social media and they don't understand, like, why they have to be consistent. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's pretty much why. Because, like, your audience wants to know, like, especially for me, like, I try not to follow too many things. Because mm-hmm. if when I do, like, social media becomes overwhelming. It becomes hard to interact with accounts I actually want to interact with because I'm seeing so much. So for me, like, yeah, I like to make sure that if I'm following something, it's going to be something that is an active account so that I know that I'm going to continue to see that. So I think that a lot of people have, you know, problems with consistency and they're like, why do I have to be consistent? And that is, you nailed, that is exactly why, because your audience needs to know that you're going to be coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's like the difficult thing about, I, I hate to say in like what I do, because it's like, even the term influencer, I think it's just such a, a dumb, gross term. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, it really is to me. Like I, even content creator, Keiko and I have talked about it. And it's like, we don't really like there's such a like a I think a divide between like people who start like you know like people like Mm y'all who started you know you know 15 20 years ago doing this like blogging before you know like when before people knew what blogging was and now it's like they want to like kind of rename it Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because you see people that are coming in like within like you know a year ago and they're like oh my god I want to be an influencer but you see the people that have actually been like doing this sort of work for a long time and it's like it's not as easy as people think it is you literally have to wear like 400 hats and yeah. I mean uh, it doesn't yeah. like just saying like influencer doesn't really explain at all like what you do <laughs> yeah and, and it's just it, I don't know it just makes it really frustrating because it's like you know people generally have like a a, a conception that it's just like oh it is easy because right. so mm-hmm. many people are I mean, it's kind of like the word cinematographer like people can slap that on anything they want you know and it's like i could i could literally be like i'm a cinematographer because i shoot weddings here and there you know but it's like that's not how it is like people that actually work as cinematographers spent decades you know like getting same thing with like even a chef like you know people go up and they're like oh like you're a chef right like you work at you work at longhorn you know or something right and it's like <laughs> It's like, no, like if, if, if a proper chef heard you say that you would get smacked, you know, it's like a chef is, these are terms that you work up to. And so it's kind of like with influencer, I just feel like it's one of those things where literally everybody puts it down and it it diminishes a little bit of the efforts that people like me and and Keiko and others have done where it's like, if you really want to take this seriously, it requires so much dedication and time and You know, it's like, I think that because so many people have had really kind of booming, quick, early success, you know, others think, oh, it's got to be easy. And then they're dramatically let down when they realize like uh, how much work kind of goes into it or they think that they just don't have it. And it's like it's a blow to their ego when at the end of the day, it's like it's what we're doing. It's not necessarily difficult, you know, but it's one of those things where it it requires a commitment and a dedication and like a flexibility in your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean like Keiko and I, we don't have kids, you know, it's like, we, we have always been very much like, let's focus on our career uh, because I mean, we still feel young, you know, it's like, we both still feel like we're in our twenties and stuff and we have a lot more to give. And, you know, it's like, whereas a lot of people, they have kids or like they've got a full-time job or two jobs, you know? And it's like, 
depending where you are, it's a very different thing, you know, but it's like, you can still take these same tips and have a very successful lifestyle doing these things, but nobody talks about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Nobody says just batch it out and save it. And then that'll help you. Or like, you don't have to do it every day, but try to go every other day or at least be prepared for a, a slower success than a blow up, you know? Yeah, I think there is something to be said about the commodification of trying to understand it from a corporate lens. Like we have you on another podcast. I have nuances and problems with the way that corporate America has kind of taken this. Yeah. Almost, it was kind of wholesome, you know, so to speak. When we got into monetization and people getting paid for things that they needed to put it conceptually in a box for the people who are in positions of power to understand. And those people are boomers and, you know, older Gen X who are the CEOs, et cetera, of these companies that do decide that we're going to do a quote unquote influencer program or we're going to quote unquote pay a content creator. You know what I mean? Like they had to come up with these terms, this terminology. And they come up with like budgets before like. Yeah. It's just like the way that things shifted once we started to, for people to start to make a living wage, basically we had to dumb quote unquote dumb it down for people to feel like they could understand it a little bit more to be like, oh, I guess that makes sense if they have so-and-so followers, but it can't be hard. But and I'm in these meetings all the time. So this is why I'm like, oh, it's so frustrating to like, because <laughs> ah, there's always a CEO that's like, well, so-and-so has a TikTok and my kids like ninja poses got like 5 million views. <laughs> on t-. And it's like, you you don't understand how you're devaluing someone's work and education yeah. and their purpose and their, their drive and like the commitment. Like you said, like you don't have kids right now and you're committing full-time and then there's people who do have kids who are committed you know what I mean like it's just a commitment and a lifestyle change that you choose to make when you invest in this type of career and also because you want to do it and you're interested in doing it but it's very insulting the way that it's been commodified in a, in a specific way versus for society to understand it's really it has nothing to do with like the work and like anything else it's just really for society to, to try to put it in a box because everything needs to be put in a box for us to be able to quantify the value in this, you know, capitalistic society in which we live yeah. in. Hold it. I can have a whole, there's a whole podcast episode. I'm like, we'll have you on back and, you know, so we yeah. can talk about that. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny too, because it's one of those things where like, it's, it's, um, uh, and actually, sorry, I just had a thought and they've just escaped <laughs> ADHD, just kicking it in hardcore right there. But yeah, I don't know. It, I, it's a hundred percent exactly what you're saying and stuff. And I, I don't know, like, uh, We'll, we'll have to revisit that. Yeah, time. for sure. There's something to be said about the millennial. Because um, there's so many, me- like there was a, t- a tweet today or maybe yesterday that kind of went where this person was like, this is the Gen X stay at home six pack, sick pack. And it was like saltine crackers and seven up and like Bob Barker and the Young and the Restless. And everyone was like, we also like, you know, we did that. We all mm-hmm. were there. And so we just have lived so many lifetimes in a span of like, you know, most of us have been around for four different decades and each of those decades was, was so, so different. specifically different. And mm. so uh, we just don't get credited in the way that we should, depending on what generation is looking at it, because they don't understand the ebbs and flows that we've like had to shift and adapt and change. And I think when we are people who are still changing and adapting and like as content creators, so to speak, or influencers or people who are, I feel like I call them chronically online. You know, we, we consistently, we've changed so much from just like, it's changed his life. Like I, I, live journal is so different than TikTok. Like, I was going to say to live journal to TikTok. That's exactly. We had to learn. Yeah. We had to what adapt. We had to go. And for you to be able to do yep. that, that's a skill for you to be able to be like, okay, I was on and you I'm gonna were, kill it on my journal and now we're on TikTok and I'm like, make it, you know what I mean? Like people don't understand the, that that's not easy. Um, so that, yeah, that's so I can have like 
a rant, oh, maybe a talk one day. I'll do a keynote <laughs> about it because I like I feel so strongly about the way that millennials are viewed in a in a lens that's not particularly like. I, and I get it. People complain about millennials like we have avocado toast and we don't have houses, but more so in a corporate professional space, yeah. not understanding the amount of like adjustment our brains have to do to continue to exist and still not like be where we we should be. You know what I mean? Like we don't make yeah. the same amount. Our livable <laughs> wages aren't the same. We don't have the same amount of like assets as the generations before us. Like we don't have the oh, same yeah. opportunities, <laughs> you know? So there's just, if people don't, I'm like, we, we are quote unquote, I would say smarter, honestly, people that, that high function, like we function so highly, even people with kids, like we function so highly because most people have two working parents in a, in a sense, and then we don't get. It's like maybe you can afford a house, and if you got a house, keep the house. Don't like <laughs> sit on it, and like don't you know you don't have multiple properties and like seven houses, and like seven cars, and like eight kids, and like you know what I mean. Like we don't have that. We have like only so much that we are able to get. Um, that's a it's funny totally too. Different thing, yeah. It, it, it's kind of funny too because uh, you know like the the whole quote influencer sphere. Uh, sorry, sphere. Like uh, it kind of popped up. I'd say ish or uh, like 10 years ago mm-hmm. you know um and it, it you know at the beginning of it i remember because keiko was dealing with this forever you know and it's like she'd be like people would be like well what do you do for a living she goes well i work with brands as a you know the content creator or like i create advertisements for brands on a small digital platform that goes to my audience etc like the stuff that like we commonly know today and people are like yeah but like what do you do for a living you know and and it, and like you know like the the, the ideas of what we do commonly or like what quote influencers have done for like 10 years at the beginning it was it was just totally misunderstood and brands did not want to touch it with like a 10-foot pole and it's interesting because i feel like at some point along the way this this would be another conversation another day i'm sure but like you know you you we were all hoping as we were watching this grow right the people doing this that uh that the message would become more refined brands would understand it better and then at some point it would become this this kind of like very well understood raw power that like is taken very seriously and it was doing that for a little bit and then all of a sudden i just feel like in the last couple of years it's just pivoted over into this like self-indulgent kind of like trucker cap that everybody is wearing and stuff that like you know it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel responsible or serious or i mean you know like brands are not helping this because it's like there's so many things where people will just be like yeah i'll do that for free or i'll do this you know for you know like credits or like exposure and and it's like that's where there was at some point like where it's just like this could have become and for some people it sure still is but it's like this could have become like a much more serious viable career and and maybe maybe we're still just kind of like nuancing and working out the details as the generations go on but yeah it's like that's what it's I just funny to see the beginning i have now. hope like i really do think that it's still kind of like like you said like i think that we're still figuring it out because i to me it's like it's it's something that is so valuable and i do think that brands know that they just don't want to pay for that but I think that what a lot of people are seeing, like we now that, again, everybody has access. I mean, Angelica and I talk about this a lot. Like, it's great that everyone has access to things for sure. But then everyone thinks that, like, 
again, they can do everything overnight and sometimes it's not like the right fit. And so I think that we'll see that there's a lot of people that have kind of jumped on the train the last few years just because they think it's fun or whatever. And they're not going to have the type of longevity that other people have had because they're not taking it seriously and, and giving basically the craft, like the respect that deserves. So I, I do think that like, well, I think it's just going to shift a lot over the next few years, especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything else like that. Um, but I, I do hope that and I, I, I have hope, I will say, that it kind of sorts itself out at a certain point. Yeah, it's like the thing I've noticed with things like TikTok in particular is is and again, like nothing against TikTok, like TikTok has actually been a lot of fun to to test out this year and like see see the growth and like how it works and stuff. And it's it's much more rewarding than Instagram ever was i think in that way <laughs> but you know it's like the thing that's kind of interesting is that with tiktok because there are billions of people that are on this platform and you know it's like somebody can post a silly video that just suddenly goes viral and then that might jump up their account to like a mi- like i have a couple of friends that at the beginning of 2020 made a couple of silly videos it got a lot of attention they instantly grew to like three million followers or more you know, but it's like they didn't understand how to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. And so, because of that, it's like their channel still might have like three million subs, but like they don't post anymore. They don't have any way to monetize it, and they're also like they're not adding any value. You know, and it's like I think that that's the thing that people, uh, I like the the slight derailing that I was mentioning is that it's like you know there was a, there was this upward trend where people were creating valued content you know it's like you were getting paid by somebody you shot it with a really nice camera or you hired a photographer you didn't shoot it with your iphone and now it's kind of gotten to this point where it's just like brands are literally requesting to shoot things with an iphone you know like for some things or like throw this together so we can stitch it into a thing you know but it's like they're 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 i'm hoping is going to be this period of time where people are rewarded for the hard and consistent work that they do. And then this just kind of educates other people that like already might have a platform to to figure out how to monetize it. You know, it's like make it so that it's something that can actually generate income because I mean, like at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's where a lot of people get confused in the younger generation. Like I want to be fucking famous, man. I want to, I want to like have my, my people like me and stuff, or I don't want to have that controversy that people have in comment sections and all this stuff. But it's like, that does what? Yeah. Yeah. Like you will be, you'll be forgotten the next day, you know, if you don't have more that you can, you can offer. And the brands, I think, still struggle with this where they're like, you'd even mention, you know, it's like, oh, well, th- that person has a large following. And it's like, they they have a larger following than Bobby or, you know, but it's like, it takes people like agencies or, or like, you know, you yourself vetting and like, or, or not vetting, but like, like fighting really hard to put out there and be like, but this is the value that I can give you to make a product that you would want, you know, shine, you know, cause I don't know. Audiences these days, I think are like, is, is kind of, uh, <laughs> flippant, uh, flippant about everything that is like, uh, the jobs themselves can be, you know? So. Totally. Well, <laughs> on the same vein of like, what are you doing? What are the tools that you're utilizing? Not even just like in your day to day, like we love talking about systems. I love talking about things, this my jam. So what are five tools that you're using in 2022 that you cannot live without? Yeah. And, and also thank you again for like, just letting me rant. Like I know that I can no, talk to you. I, I, lo- I love it. No, I'm totally yeah. like down to ha- down to clown for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd say like uh, five tools. Uh, 
so as a creator, you know, it's like, I think that having like, there's an expression, like the camera that you have in front of you is the best that you could have. So it's like my iPhone uh, or, or even like any smartphone that you have access to um, that for me personally, like that's one of the best and probably the top like tool that I could use because it gives you the ability to actually create something like immediately right there. Uh, and you can take that raw footage and turn it into something so much more, you know? So like your iPhone treat it really powerfully. I personally used uh, DaVinci Resolve as number two, I'd say, um, as like one of the best tools. Um, that's that's like the editing suite that I use to make my videos and stuff. And it's it, they have a free version. Um, but this is like the exact same editing suite that like people use to make like Hollywood films, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, this is the coloring suite that they use to do like Avengers or any any other film that you can think of, you know, so it's a really, really powerful all in one suite. Um, and the free version is pretty amazing. And like the paid suite is only 300 bucks. And it's like, oh, wow. this, that is awesome. not bad at all. No, no it's like, like, wow. final, final cut 10. It's like, you know, the, uh, the um, Apple video editing suite, it's also 300 bucks. And I used to use that. And it's great, but it's like, it, it just, it always would crash on me. It always would have these weird glitchy errors and stuff that like my friends that even worked there couldn't figure out. And it's like DaVinci Resolve is constantly like sending updates and like new, like since I've been using it, like they've gone through like nine different updates, you know, where it's like, it just gets better and better and better. And they listen to their audience that uses it. And, you know, it, it might be like a slight learning curve if you're familiar with like, you know, if you're like more familiar with like Premiere Pro or something like this, but you know, if you have, I don't know, a weekend, you can figure out how to use it really, really well. And it's just such an incredible platform. So I, I'd recommend that. Um, I guess number three, uh, I'd say, honestly, just my car, my Rev4. Like, I think it's just one of the best tools because it's like nine out of 10 times, you know, it's like the stuff that, is going to be important to you as a creator are not directly in front of you or you need to do something else. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but it's like just getting out and using your car and exploring, you know, it's like my favorite thing to do is just, uh, like Keiko and I, like on the weekends, you know, we'll usually try to drive to like West Florida or we'll drive to North or South Florida. Or like we, you know, like when we were in New York, we would drive to Connecticut and then we drive to like New Jersey or we drive to upstate New York. Like we would explore, and just try to try to like see different things that might inspire you or like find different vintage shops and like then you get cool stuff you know and i don't know so it's like i just think like a your car can just be like an incredible tool you know just to like spark new ideas or at least get you set up um <clears throat> sorry uh and then i'd say like four because uh, <laughs> i, I kind of struggle with this like i'm trying to figure out exactly like tools that would be helpful but i'd say um for me, thrift stores, you know, like a lot of what I do, I, 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 my brand itself in particular is kind of always been based around like a vintage aesthetic. And I just love going to thrift stores, antique stores, you know, like play, antique malls are like the, my favorite thing in the world, <laughs> you know, and it's like just finding old kit and like clothing and things like this that like uh, can inspire you to create something with a different look or, or like refine that look. And I'd probably say five is just uh, Keiko. You know, it's like uh, for 
like you know truly it's like which i'm not saying she's a tool but <laughs> you know it's like just just like you know one of the most important like things you could have as any kind of creator is to have like a partner right. that is able to support mm-hmm. you in in anything that you can do you know so it's like i think that you know I put her as number five, but really she's number one. Number one, so. yeah. No, but that's a total true thing. Again, another episode that I go into about having the right partner in your yes. life and that huge helps you, you know, get to your goals and is understanding of this, so to speak, like not traditional career path because that can cause so much friction. <clears throat> I've had a lot of friends over the pandemic who are content creators and influencers go through divorces, go through splits because of, uh, you know, they have such a non-traditional career path and then now you're kind of stuck inside with someone who has a traditional career path and they just like, it starts to create this friction. So having someone who you've had this long relationship with, you know, not just in a romantic sense, but as a friend, as a, someone who's in the, you can trust her and having trust in someone with your ideas and the kind of your most intimate self as a content creator helps you have the confidence to step out and try new things that you probably never would have tried before. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, th- you, you like to have a partner that gives you like support is better than anything you could buy at like B and H photo. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, like, really and she, is. she, she really like refines, like, you know, uh, th- there's a fun expression I heard in a show um, that was, you know, the kite in the line. And it was used to describe a relationship between like a husband and wife in there. And, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the husband was the line that kind of like kept her grounded and the wife was like the kite that just wanted to like be free and like creative and fly, you know, and it sounded, you know, like it could sound like in a way that it's like very restricting, but at the same time, it's one of those things where like the two together, like work in, in like a perfect harmony with each other. And I feel like that's kind of how it is with me and Keiko where it's like, you know, I'm all over the place. Like I've got million ideas and i want to do all of them at the same time and stuff or like dive full tilt into like you know one specific thing and kiko's really good about kind of like well hey let's refine that and let's like why don't you try this or like here's an idea that is fitting with that and i think that like having people to bounce ideas off of that are not going to judge you and are excited about it and and selflessly like selflessly you know it's like she's not doing that to get anything out of it for herself like she's doing it because you know it just excites her as well and sometimes it's like good to have somebody who when you've been looking at the same thing for so long you kind of need like fresh eyes on it to like see a different perspective and it's even better when they know you well enough to like kind of know what's going to work for you and like what's not going to work for you so I love that she was the one who was like "Mm, how about you focus on like things that maybe don't sound like they're going to be delicious, but might be delicious. Cause that's like such a unique, like take on, you know, dealing with retro recipes. And that's really, I feel like for a lot of people that follow, like that's probably for me, it's what got me hooked. Cause when you guys made some weird jelly jello, Mm. you know what I'm talking about? You guys made that early on. And I was like, what the heck is that? They're not going to eat that. They're not going to eat it. They're not going to, and you guys bit into it. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're eating this right now. And it's like, after that, I was like, oh my God, I have to watch every episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember that. It's like permanently imprinted. People don't talk about that. They're like, like, tell me though, like, was that worse than the like chicken buffet and aspect that you did? And it's like, that's kind of like, that's that anchor to like everything people compare it to. They're like, but what about this? I mean, I actually posted a video just today. So if you're, 
I don't know. This would be like interesting to kind of see like where and when this comes out. But like today, tomorrow, tomorrow. So, <laughs> there you go. But you guys are fast. Um, I posted a video today about a, a soup that Keiko picked. Okay, so like that's that's even the better part about it is that like this felt personal. <laughs> but it was called. She was flipping through books like helping me out and stuff because I was, you know, just, we were spending time together and she found one called Sour Milk Soup. Oh, and goodness. Good nope. God. Like, <laughs> this was this was regret and misery. Like, I think oh, the, actual, no. the way that I described it in the video is I said this was like an experience of like Dante's Inferno, where it just like descended that. into hell because it just got worse and worse and worse. Like, at first oh, it was no. just like, okay, it's kind of like milk. And then just suddenly my knees buckled and I just like, it just hit so hard. I'm like, oh, what is no. happening? And, uh, I don't know. I don't even remember if there was a point to get to that. It was just really funny. But people always compare back. to They're just like, how is that compared that to the That sounds so much worse. Yeah, it sounds oh, worse. Oh, man. Worse. I'm surprised. Thanks for coming on the podcast because you could have taken a sick day after that. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> terrible. Well, you know, again, I'm smart and I filmed that a couple of days ago. So. Okay. Very smart. Yes. Oh, so we're like very big into wellness on the podcast and having balance. And we know that like anytime you're creative, you just really need to have that time that you focus on wellness. So you are like the king of ice baths. Like mm. I've learned so much about ice baths from you. I still have not gotten in one. I'm terrified, but I do like make my shower cold sometimes. And I'm like, okay, I have to do this. This is healthy. And then you're also like super into kettlebells. You're like a kettlebell champion. Mm. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about that. How has that helped you mentally as an entrepreneur? And what else have you been doing for your mental health these days? Yeah. So, uh, I guess going to the ice barrel, you know, like uh, I, I love ice baths. Um, I don't even know how I got into it. Like did it was you just like, yeah. Like, did you have to like prepare yourself or did you just like one day be like, I'm going to get into like a bucket of ice. Cause it's like extreme. I, I'm a very extreme person. I don't know if you've, <laughs> you've noticed this, you know, but like, I, I'm one of those people that like, I, I am completely, I'm, what is it? I'm Jack Russell Terrier. Like that's my spirit. Okay, really yes, it's like, like if I, if I were to be compared to like an animal, like I would be a Jack Russell Terrier where it's just reactionary, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, I, you know, like one day I saw somebody do it and I was like, I can give this a shot. And I also am very stubborn. I don't want to like just give up on anything, you know? And so it's like, I decided to just give it a shot one time and I learned from my body very quickly. So I was able to realize like, okay, like getting in the ice was, was pretty intense, but I controlled my breathing. And again, I, I also just asked questions beforehand and that learned, you know, like that, that taught me quite a bit, but yeah, so I'd say like, you know, for me, it's like doing an ice bath, in particular, a great tip that I could give at least is, uh, yeah, prepare yourself. You know, there's a little bit of mental prep that goes into it and stuff. And it's really just a, like the whole drill of being in an ice bath is not that it makes you better because you're getting cold or X, Y, and Z. What it's really doing is it's kind of like if you are able to control your body, right, then you are going to actually allow your brain to release like the hormones that are necessary and and like you want to be released in this experience so, like dopamine you know norepinephrine and things like this you know like adrenaline like if you do this right your body will actually produce it and it'll feel like a euphoric experience it'll feel really really wonderful and then it'll actually help your body to heal but the main idea is that you're trying to control your uh basically your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system, you know? So it's like your fight or flight system, you know, 
if you are just going crazy and stuff like this, then it's like your body is going to be anxious and <laughs> I was like, say, I'm definitely doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, you know, people, most of the time they get in, they're very nervous about it. They're hyperventilating and stuff like this before they even get in the ice bath. And it's like, that's the opposite. That's, that's setting yourself okay. up for failure. Yes. You know, like think of like people that walk over like hot fire coals, like they're not doing it and freaking out. Like they're controlling their breath. They're walking very calmly and it's a, it's it's very much a mental thing because if you really think about it you know it's like when you go into this fight or flight mode or this parasympathetic mode you know it's like where your body is more relaxed and kind of like rest and digest you are controlling the way if you really just look at it you're just controlling the way that your body is releasing hormones so you want to do like you want to go and do it like this you want to just take some big deep breaths you know, and then like exhale, you know, and it just kind of really try to like calm your body down. All right. And then like, when you feel just like this moment of just like clarity, you can get a, you know, ice barrels I like in particular because they are vertically oriented instead of like a bath where you lay down. And so the vertical orientation actually really helps you to calm yourself down as well because you're standing and, and there's something about that. There's like some relationship where it helps, but, um, and so I will get in there and then you can kind of just stand in there like waist height or so. And then as you go down, you want to exhale. So like big deep breath. And then it's like, as you're going into the water, pushing everything out of your body, you know, and it's like that, that act of pushing all of the air out and same thing with your cold showers too. Right. You know, if you push that cold air or all that air out of you and stuff, as you're getting into it, your body is almost going to feel warm instead of cold. It's there's something about it where it just kind of like it keeps your body and your brain relaxed. And then you're going into this uh, where you just I personally like to fully submerge my head, right? You know, because you want to actually tackle and get cold all of the vital organs. So it's like a lot of people I know, like they'll get in an ice barrel. And then they'll they'll just sit in there like uh, their belly button, you know, and they're like, this is so miserable, you know, when it's like, really, you want to at least get and stay like at your collarbone and down, you know, because like you want all of your vital organs to be exposed to the cold, because uh, when you're in the cold, your body is going to do its own job. And it's going to send blood rushing to the areas that actually matter. You know, this is like, this is the most basic, like evolutionary defense that we have. You know, if you're cold, we got to protect your, your heart, lungs, liver, and kidneys and everything else, you know, uh, your fingers don't matter. And so get your, you know, instead of like just getting your legs cold <laughs> or like just your belly button, like submerge yourself to at least like your, your neck. And all of a sudden you're going to realize that your body is uh, going to regulate itself really, really quickly. Like you, you, you might be cold for about, I, I usually count people at about like 35, 40 seconds. And then all of a sudden you're going to get this hot, warm sensation of just like, there's, there's, it's, it's hot. Like you just feel like you are good and you can chill in there for, for minutes at a time. Um, and I mean, like I've done it for 15 minutes, you know, most of the time I, wouldn't suggest doing it for more than like 10 minutes, depending on how cold it is. But like you can, you can sit in a nice bath for as little as 30 seconds if it's cold enough and still feel and see and feel some incredible results. Um, but it's just great. It's a really great drill just to, just for like mental tenacity, you know, because if uh, for me personally, like I like to do these um, and cold showers and things like that, because it's just like, if you can handle a little bit of cold water and not freak out and just control your breathing, your ability to deal with daily stress is so much better. 
So that, that's blown my mind in the way that I've gone about it because I literally just thought it was like more for just like the health of your organs, like only that part and didn't think of it as like training your nervous system. Mm. So when I go into it, I am freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be really cold. Like yeah. just go really fast. And now I'm like thinking of it in a completely different way. Like, oh, well, no wonder it's not working well for me and i'm a very anxious person that's like a big part of my personality um mm. but i feel like that that's why yeah it makes so much sense like the way that you described it especially like just giving yourself that 30 to 45 seconds and then your body's gonna do what it needs to do and you'll you know you'll be you won't be freezing yeah and like you just you just have to maintain uh control of your breathing and and like the reality is like you know if if you get to it because i mean like most people can chill and hang in there and stuff and then there is the moment where most people especially when it's like their first few times of doing an ice bath right like there'll be a point maybe three to five minutes in where all of a sudden their eyes get bigger you know and they're looking around and they're just very aware of the fact that it's like oh i've probably been in here for like an hour you know and I think that like that when you start to kind of feel that point, like when you're just like, I'm ready to get out, get out. It's okay. You know, like there, there, I think a lot of people put too much ego into, I mean, like you see, you see fucking Joe Rogan, you know, sitting in an ice bath for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes or something like that, that he did like earlier in the year and stuff. And I'm just like, guy's an idiot. You know, it's just like, I, 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 I just like, I kind of hate people like him that like have, really bastardized a good thing and it's like you know he he and other people that i've seen will take it and they'll just turn it into this like bullshit macho kind of like toxic masculinity kind of thing and when at the at the end of the day it's like it's really meant to be like it's almost meditative it's a it's a beautiful experience if you do it right it's meant to be like very quieting the mind you know it's like you can do this while listening to music you can do this in the entire quiet silence but it's all about controlling your breath and just learning how to not panic. And, you know, so it's like when you see people like Joe Rogan who are sitting in an ice bath for 40 minutes or whatever it was, and they're hyperventilating and, you know, cursing their ass off and like just looking miserable the whole time. That's that's entirely the wrong idea. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, that's just. I don't have anything to say about it. Just, I will that, say there's that photo of you in the ice barrel. And I think it's like the happiest I've ever seen a human being be. <laughs> like, I've never seen a happier person than you, like just completely in ice. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the funny thing is like people don't, I, I think that it gets a little uh, confusing for people too, because they don't understand volume. You know, it's like, they don't understand like how much ice is in there. How much do you need? When I first got the ice barrel, like the, I've been friends with the company for years. They sent it to me and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, I was so excited when I got it. And I was in Brooklyn and we actually had a terrace. So I was really lucky, but I walked down to the store and I got uh, two five pound, maybe three, five pound bags of ice, you know? And I was like, yeah, that'll be great. This is 15 pounds. Like this is heavy, you know? And uh, I walked it back over and I filled it up and I just, my brain wasn't thinking about, I don't know, science, (laughs) you know? And like the amount of energy it takes to actually cool, you know, uh, uh, like a, a gallon of water is incredible. And I put in 15 pounds and I had like my little thermometer in there and it went and it was a cool day. So it was like already maybe 70 degrees or something like that. When I when I put the water in the barrel, I added the ice and it maybe dropped it down like two degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a ton of ice. So it's one of those things where like I go to Publix because I live near one now and 
you know, I can drive there now. This is great because I used to have to carry this ice, but I I <laughs> carry I carry back eighty pounds or more of ice oh from my grocery God. store in Brooklyn, and that was a half mile away. So it was almost a workout. Like I'd walk down there, I'd carry eighty pounds of ice back. You know, I'd fill it up halfway so there'd be less water for it to actually have to cool. And now, like, I'll go there, I'll get 120 pounds of ice. I'll still fill it up halfway because I don't need a lot. You know, like, you just sit in there and chill. But that will bring the, the water temperature down in Florida to about, uh, I, I get it down to about, like, 44, you know, Fahrenheit. Um, I forget exactly what that would be in Celsius if you have people listening from there. But, you know, it's, like, 44 Fahrenheit is, like, what I'll get it to usually. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the sweet spot. That's bananas but also so, like yeah for summer actually that sounds so great oh it is yeah because then <laughs> oh, i just man. get out and i just sit or in the, the sun for a minute oh yeah man. oh man but it's like, funny because oh sorry no i was just gonna compliment your grip strength mm. uh, carrying bags of ice <laughs> requires so much like this is like how oh. you, like you being into kettlebells makes sense yes, now, it has because <laughs> grip strength is real when it's carrying bags of ice so the fact that you were in new york like carrying this ice is Half mile, <laughs> but it is. Yeah, and and um, uh, trying to think of it really fast, but um, I guess it wasn't important. I just lost it. <laughs> I do that. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love it, and uh, the kettlebell thing. It's it's fun. I mean, like I I, I accidentally stumbled into that as well, where it's like uh, I saw some people using kettlebells, and like I've I've been into fitness for. Uh, I'd say like about 10 years now and stuff. Like, you know, I really started getting into fitness uh, in my late twenties and I wish I had much earlier in my life. Um, and I always enjoyed kettlebells. I, I, I used to do like a little bit of kettlebell stuff when I would do like Spartan races. And, you know, it's like, I, I really loved the, uh, the, the way that kettlebells worked because they were just multifunctional, multi-planner and stuff. And so I kept hearing about this company, Kettlebell Kings and uh, long and short, I went to their website and on their Instagram, they had a guy uh, that was on there. And I was like, oh, wait, I recognize that gym that he's at right now. And it was like this gym, uh, um, which is funny because I'm drawing a blank on the name of the gym, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and it was in Brooklyn. And so I hit the guy up, you know, because they tagged his account. And I was like, hey, man, like, I see that you're you're over there at this uh, gym. I was just there the other day. Actually, my buddy invited me. Like, do you want to hang out? Cause I have no problem hanging out with strangers. <laughs> you know, I was like, do you want to just hang out and we'll just do kettlebell stuff? I didn't realize that he was a kettle. Uh, he was like a world champion, like uh kettlebell sport athlete. And so like, I thought that we would just kind of swing kettlebells together and stuff. And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll be over at your place over the weekend. And he came to my building. Um, and uh, he just started putting me through drills, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like started started introducing me to the sport of kettlebell sport which most people most people have no idea it's like this very like hundreds year old uh like russian slavic sport where you basically are taking two kettlebells um for the amateur division is two 24 kilo bells so each one is each kettlebell is 53 pounds and this is the amateur division um and the idea is that you have different different feels but i focused in the in one called uh, the long cycle which is basically the clean and jerk and i would take the two bells and you swing them you catch them and then you have to do what's called a jerk where you basically have to like put them over your head with yeah, like, yeah. leg leg extensions um and you have to repeat that process as many times as possible in a 10 minute period of time and you are not allowed to set them down 
Um, and so, you know, I mean, like if you think about it, like you have 106 pounds in the amateur division um, and you're trying to basically like support this without even being able to put it down. If, you, if they touch the floor, you're done. Um, and so I got, <laughs> I fell in love with that because it's just a, it's a sport of misery and you know it's one of those things where it, <laughs> i fell in love with it it's sport yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it reminded me a lot of kind of like the the ice barrel stuff because it's like you know you are very much trying to just push past the limit of comfort because right. you know it's not that 106 pounds isn't going to necessarily hurt you especially if you have the right form you know it's like uh, for for a somewhat strong person it's like you can easily pick it up but to do it for a longer period of time, you have to be able to control your breathing. You have to control your nervous system to make sure that you don't go into like a panic, you know, and like your, your heart rate skyrockets, you know, you have to understand pacing and everything else. And this very simple idea of just kind of like lifting something and swinging it, putting it over your head and then swinging it again and just keep doing that for 10 minutes straight. It seems like such a simple idea for most like really strong guys. And then the second that they try to do it, they're just dead after about a minute of trying it because ego gets in the way and and it's something I've, I've shown to people and they instantly fall in love with it because it's a very unique singular experience that like no other sport really touches because it's just, it's almost like boxing mm-hmm. it's just non-stop like it's just if you were in a good boxing fight which I've never been but I'm just like it's analogous you know um like you're constantly going and and you have to be able to kind of like stay alert and 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 strong and fast while your heart rate is at like 190 beats a minute you know <laughs> so i don't know there's something very cool about it i i actually took a little break from it so i've actually been more focusing on just cardio and just kind of enjoy i mean cuz it's it's very very difficult and brutal to do down in south florida i mean like during the yeah. winter it was still 85 degrees and during exactly. the summer it's 100 degrees and and it's it's hotter in my garage but uh, I love it. It's fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, we have enjoyed our time, but it is coming to an end, unfortunately. So, Bobby, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can find me on at this fellow uh, on Instagram uh, or Retro Recipes Kitchen. Uh, that's recipes with an S <laughs> um, on either Instagram or TikTok. And uh, TikToks where you're going to basically find like the daily recipes and stuff like that. And I kind of just have been sharing them on this fellow as well. So, Yay. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. I learned so much. I'm like so excited for everybody who hasn't already, you know, discovered you on the internet, which I'm like, where have they been hiding under a rock? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I'm so excited for them to like check you out and everything. And I really hope that people are hearing everything you said about, you know, when it comes to physical health, like mental is really such a huge part of it. So that's so important. And again, it's so important for creatives to make sure that they are taking care of themselves mentally, because what we do is hard guys. So (laughs) (laughs) and thank you again, seriously, for just having me on. I, I, you know, it is kind of like a masterclass of sorting through rants, but (laughs) I love it.